We're off. Great. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're talking about business by the numbers. And it's, uh, I'm Roland Hennigroot. I'll tell you more about me in a moment, for those of you who don't know me. And we're here with Rick Polito from Accept. And this is all about the three kinds of people in the world, those who can count and those who can't. <laughs> uh, welcome, Rick. Thanks for uh, having us, having you here. You, uh, you'll hear lots from Rick in a moment. Um, look, I just want to warn everybody that this webinar has so much stuff in it. Um, we've got very, Rick and I have gotten very excited. So you're literally going to be overwhelmed, I think. Um, so make yourself comfortable. Uh, if it gets too much, please put up your hand um, and um, and uh, get us to slow down. We're going to go through buckets uh, buckets of stuff, so just hang on. But the webinar will definitely go over an hour. Normally, the, uh, these webinars, masterminds, are an hour. This one is definitely going to go over an hour, and probably will be doing well if we keep it inside an hour and a half. So sit back and relax. It's a big topic, um, <clears throat> but. Don't forget, you're also going to get access to the recording, so you can, um, if you missed bits, you can watch it again later uh, or listen to it on the podcast. Um, just a general comment before we go on. It's been proven time and time again that passively sitting and listening to someone talking means that you're going to forget 90% of what you've heard in less than a week. So if you want to get as much return on your investment of your time in being part of this workshop, you need to be need to participate in the best way to ensure that you're focused is by working through the worksheets that uh, we've prepared for you and that you can download from that link at the top of your chat window and print out. Um, you, it really will make a lot of difference. Um, and if you get lost, put up your hand um, either with the My Mood button at the top or in, directly in the chat window. Um, and above all, ask questions ask questions the more questions you ask the more engaged you'll be the more you'll get out of this we will keep everybody on mute unless there's a really good reason not to do so but um because at the moment we start pe taking people off mute then we lose control of the lose control of the technology in these kind of environments and um and it gets goes south very quickly so um, any questions, feel free to type in and um, argue and scream and yell and rant and rave, rave at us, uh, but via the chat window. Um, please don't do any of these. Um, although, uh, we're, undoubtedly, these the topics of Facebook and that sort of stuff come up, but don't get distracted by it. Twitter, email, text messages, turn it all off. Don't think you can be focused on Facebook and get value from this workshop at the same time. It's just not going to happen. Happen. Multitasking is a myth, honestly. This is our agenda for today. We're going to check in with um, where you are now on this topic. We're going to talk about why we care about the numbers. We're going to be talking about the three principles of um, of being in control of your business. And I'm going to have an extended interview with, uh, with Rick, although you'll hear from Rick before that. But then we're going to ask the question, what is it? what makes it so hard? Um, I'm going to read you a business bedtime story. Um, then we're going to talk about how to implement what you learned. 
Um, there'll be a special offer from me and a special offer from Rick. And finally, we're going to get into action because nothing is ever going to change unless we take action. I trust that sounds all right, but if you're not, please put up your hand and say so. Uh, I'm rude, so I start with me. This is me. And then we'll talk to Paul and Rick. Uh, so I'm Ronald Tanner, I'm a business coach and mentor, and I help small business owners become less daunted and less overwhelmed and to feel great about themselves and about their business by making business fun and building businesses that sustain you for years to come. And I'm also the author of the 10 Truths Trilogy, business books for people who don't read, read business books, but should. And then we have da -da -da -da, Rick Polito. Tell us all about you, Rick. Thanks, Roland. Thanks for inviting me tonight. Um, my name is Rick Polito. I'm from a company called Exact, and I'm a director and a business consultant there. Uh, prior to uh, joining Exact, uh, I ran a business called Noble Systems. Uh, we were a software publishing and distribution business for 14 years. And before that, I was a chartered accountant at mid-tier firm PKF. Uh, I was an auditor there and uh, spent 11 years and uh, I developed skills in analysing our customers' processes to hopefully identify risks, but also to help them improve their businesses. Uh, the last four years at PKF, I was involved in computer audit and software development. Uh, these days, uh, at Exact, we specialise in consulting to small and medium-sized uh, organisations. Uh, we provide accounting systems. We also provide uh, customization to those systems, distribution, payroll, manufacturing, CRM, and business intelligence systems. It's um, there's several mouthfuls there. Um, so you say consulting, providing custom systems. Can you can you tell a bit more? Can you give me a, a couple of examples of the kind of business that uh, you work with and what you do with them? Yeah, typically. The, the, the market segment is in three tiers. You have the very large businesses such as the Rio Tintos, BHP, West Farmers, et cetera. And then at the bottom end, you've got lots of small businesses such as, you know, single shop owners, plumbers, electricians, online resellers, et cetera. Uh, we focus on the middle tier, the third segment, uh, their SMEs or small and medium enterprises, which typically find themselves in their business with enough complexity that they've outgrown the entry-level accounting systems and they need something that will automate things and that's where we come in. Great. I've known a lot of clients, of um, a number of clients of Rick and the feedback they give me about, uh, they've given me about working with Accept is universally wonderful. And besides, Rick is just a great proponent of business dashboards and this whole topic of measurement and numbers and KPIs, et cetera. And I've seen this, I've seen his big screen dashboard that Rick runs in his own business. It's really impressive. Um, you'll see it later. It's really impressive because of all the key indicators of the business that are being reported live on this big TV and mostly in graphical form so that Rick and his partners and stuff can see what's going on from moment to moment. Um, so Rick knows what it means to have his finger on the pulse of all the key indicators of the health of the business and hence, because of that, he's here today. So that's the, my, the, the cover page of chapter three in my my first book, The Ten Truths for Raising a Healthy, Bouncy Business. And that's what we're talking about today. Um, gaze into the future with your finger firmly on the pulse. Um, and that's exactly, that's, that's what we're talking about today. And these are our outcomes. Um, we want you to all walk away 
enthusiastic and with at least one action that you're committed to taking in your business around keeping your finger on the pulse and gazing into the future. And we want you to all become really present to how important it is to be great at what you do as well as to be great at running your business. Because running your business is about so much more than being a good architect or a good web developer or a good lawyer. Right? It's, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of key aspects of business and these that you need to be good at as well besides being a good web developer or a good lawyer. And these are some of those, these are the key ones. Vision and purpose of your business, planning, strategic thinking, goal setting, numbers are taking control of your business, that's the one we're talking about from today, financial management and profit, um, marketing, customers, sales, systemization, process improvement, quality insurance, what you want to call it, people, your staff, um, and um, the leadership, and then there's this thing I like to call the rhythm of business. It's about regularity, predictability, and all of that is what leads to that thing called fun in business that I refer to. And it's this is what it feels like, right? It's overwhelming, it's daunting. And so I am totally committed to helping small business owners step out of that overwhelm uh, and into fun in business. And in the second half of this webinar, we'll give you some information how you can take a step out of the overwhelm and towards having more fun in business, if you want to, of course. But first, let's focus on the greatest cause of that overwhelm for you. So, on your worksheet, um, page two, I think. Yeah. Um, let me just check that it's page two. Yeah, page two. On your worksheet, the top of the, uh, of the worksheet, you'll see a question with some space underneath it. And the question is, right now, this coming month, what is the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge you face in your business? What is the thing that keeps you awake most? Take a moment to write the answer down on that worksheet and we'll give you a minute, silence, to do so. Well, all right, not a whole minute then. Um, <clears throat> Keep writing, but we'll move along a little bit further um, as well, because just below that most pressing issue box on your window, and I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Bless you, Roland. <laughs> oh my me. God! <laughs> well, at least you know it's live. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, just below that box is another box. Um, on your worksheet and it's called my outcome for participating in this webinar so what do you want to get from being here today what 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 is good use of your time here today what do you need to get from here and and ask yourself if that's what i want to get what do i need to do to make sure that i get it what attitude do i have to have how how do i have to sit here how do i have to participate so the first thing we're going to do is this we're going to do a poll and I'm going to get the poll up on the screen. Let's see, where is it? That's the one. And it's also on your, the questions and the poll things are also on your worksheet. And this is the, these are the questions. When I think about numbers and measurement in my business, I feel... Hey, nothing much because I'm not interested. Don't see why focusing on numbers is going to change my business in any way, shape, or form. Or B, 
daunted because I know I should be on top of my numbers, but I might have no good with numbers. They send me this link where I just don't have the time. See, confused. Everyone tells me I have to be on top of the numbers, but I don't actually know which numbers in any way. Benefit is there in knowing what happened last month. I need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Last month is history. I can't do anything about it anymore. So that's a C. D. All of the above. Just depend. Just depends what day you ask me. Or E. Fired up because I love numbers. I look at them all the time. I love that they know, that I know exactly what goes in my business and I use my numbers to forecast what is going to happen next week, next month, next year. So please, everybody, vote. Everybody vote there. A couple of people in B, a couple in C, um, two, in, two in E. That's very nice to see happening. Did you vote yourself, Rick? No, I must have actually. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. A couple more. Give us your votes, please. Vote early and vote often. Uh, I'm counting to three. Put your votes in. One, two, three. There we go. Great. Thank you. So it's interesting. We've got a fairly even spread, actually. We had a couple of people in A, B, C, D, and, and as even a few in E. It's a fairly even spread, but so most people are, um, are, in, uh, are, are not feeling too great about the whole topic, and um, and that's more or less what I expected. I mean, that's the experience of most business owners. There's just so many important things to do. We feel daunted, frustrated, and confused, and we all know we should have our, our eyes on the numbers and our finger on the pulse, and we don't, and that eats at us. Um, that's my experience anyway. Is that your experience as well, Rick? Yeah, very true. When I look back at when I started the business, uh, certainly in the early couple of years, it was pretty easy to keep track of... Uh, everything that was going on in the business. But as I started to grow and hired more employees, it became uh, very daunting and it just wasn't enough hours in the day to sort of keep track of things. Hmm, yeah. Um, so why is all of that a problem? Why is all of that a problem? Why is it, why is it a problem that we feel daunted and overwhelmed and frustrated? Besides the fact that it's simply not a lot of fun, the problem with this is that if you can't predict the future, um, then you're managing your, your, your business with the fingers crossed. In other words, without some form of predicting the future, without some meaningful way of looking ahead and making informed guesses about what's going to happen this week, next month, next year, your gambling and your life as a business owner this is, a, is reactive. You know, it's reactive rather than proactive. You'll be you'll be crisis managing most of the time, running around from one brush fire to another all day long. Um, and I bet you most of you feel like you're managing crisis uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of your day, and that's how most business owners feel a lot of the time. Um, life of a small business owner tends to be about running around, extinguishing brush fires here, managing crisis there. That's what it's like for most of us. And that doesn't lead to great outcomes for anyone. Um, so that's the purpose of this webinar. How can we get in control of the ship? 
How can we start to become more proactive rather than reactive? And how can we start to gaze into the future and know what's coming towards us before it hits us? And there is a way out because you can predict the future. And so what we want to do is we want, to, we want you to start the process of learning how to look into the future. Uh, and some of you might be might have gone some way along the line or uh, along the way already, and some of you are completely at the, at the beginning stages of that. But I want you to, <clears throat> we want you to 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 start to feel confident that the end, that the light at the end of the tunnel is actually the sunlight, not a train. And so what we're going to do is to give you some of the basic bits of understanding and direct you to a few simple tools that you'll find really helpful in having more fun in your business and build a business that sustains you for years to come. And as always, there's going to be a bunch of really simple and practical actions and resources and tips and stuff that you can take away and implement straight away in your business tomorrow, next week, that's going to make a really big difference to you. And we are now on page three of your worksheet. Let me just check that that's right. Yes, middle of, the, middle of page three. So most of us feel uncomfortable about the whole numbers thing and how to do it. So why are numbers important? Let's just let's just go let's just go through that first. How are they going to help? Num how are numbers going to help us build a fun business that sustains us for years to come? And I believe that there's three reasons to get on top of the numbers. And um, feel free to pipe up if you don't agree with any of them, Rick or whatever. But I believe there's three. The three are. You can't manage what you don't measure, and measurement is simply expressing a certain value in a number. So that's numbers. We've got to, <clears throat> only by measuring stuff can we manage it. So that's got to be done on numbers. But the other thing with numbers is that it allows communicating with others effectively. And most important, as I said before, and we'll get to that, is numbers allow you to look into the future. So it's three principles measurement, communication, and forecasting. And I want to talk about each each of those a little bit. Have you got anything to say at this point, or um, Rick, or your? No, that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So measurement is about <clears throat> numbers, and why measuring is important because if you don't measure something, it's not going to. You don't know what's going on, and then you can't improve, right? And another way of saying the same thing is what get what gets measured is gets done. Or if you're more holistically inclined, you can say energy flows where attention goes. But it's the same principle. And here's a couple of simple examples. So if, if, for example, if you have to know what's in your bank account if you want to stay alive, right? No argument there. I imagine everybody know, everybody will agree with that. Well, your bank balance is a number. Another simple example. You may also want to measure the effectiveness of the money you spend on marketing. So you know, <clears throat> we've got a digital lead generation specialist on the webinar at the moment. So this will be music to his ears. Um, measuring the effectiveness of your money, to, the, the money that you spend on your marketing. So you know where to spend it and where not to spend it. And again, the answers will come in the form of numbers. Now, I could give you two hours worth of example, four hours worth of example, but they're easily enough. Um, they, they make the point easily enough. Any great examples for you, Rick? Yeah, I'm going to break the mould a little bit, uh, Roland. Uh, I'm a chartered accountant, but uh, I, I tend to like non-financial metrics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, the ones that uh, really spring to mind are velocity, um, and that really is how long it takes um, you to fulfil an order. Yeah. Um, mm. Another good one is the number of new products that you take on each year and you sell to existing and new customers. 
Yeah, that's a really powerful one. Yeah. Yeah, and even customer satisfaction, um, and that's typically measured not from your accounting system, but by surveys, for instance, mm. and staff satisfaction. I run a whole webinar on just that customer satisfaction. Really? Well, yes, I do. That's good. <laughs> the other one that I don't know if if many people cover it, but we start to we, we're starting to do that at Exact is start staff satisfaction. Mm. Uh, if if your industry has a high staff turnover. Um, it's important to keep your staff engaged and uh, uh, that's an area that we're starting to measure in our business. Yeah, yeah, very powerful. I could run a webinar on, on that one alone as well. Sure. Um, yeah, so they're great examples. Anybody, uh, if, if, you know, if you guys have got a great example, feel free to share it. Um, the next one is that the next principle we talked, I talked about, the three reasons, the three principles why numbers are important is a communication, right? Um, because numbers are the same for everyone, even across languages. If you speak Chinese and I speak English, I can communicate our stock levels to you in numbers that we both understand. We can communicate about our bank balance. We can communicate about how many customers' inquiries we had last, last month. Numbers simplify communication and reduce the misunderstandings that are inherent in business communication. Numbers are the language of business. And if you want to communicate with anyone about business, you gotta know the language. Any thoughts to add to that, Rick? Yeah, no, I, I think that speaks for itself, Roland. But um, the way you present the numbers is quite important. I found uh, mm. for those clients of ours that are on the call, they'll know James Kilby and myself. We're very different, um, and often, uh, you know, I like numbers, but James likes. Um, graphs, for instance. Uh, mm. And even when you present raw numbers, it really helps to either uh, colour them with uh, uh, colours, like red could be good and green could be, uh, sorry, red could be bad and green could be good, etc. So numbers are important. Mm. But it's important also to make sure that the numbers are relevant to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah cool. So, and then the last one is forecasting. Um, and it's the counterintuitive one, because on the face of it, it looks like numbers are usually about the past. Business reports with numbers on them normally report on what happened last week, last month, ancient history. How does that help us predict the future? And, and it's a little, little tricky to get your head around at first, but it's actually really quite simple. Let me give you a really simple example, and that's the example of a dashboard in the car. So. The dials on your dashboard are, are, of course, indicating numbers. They're reporting on certain aspects of the functioning of your car. So, for example, the temperature gauge tells you what the actual temperature of your car engine is. Now, if you see the temperature gauge creeping up from 84 to 90 degrees, then not only do you know that there is a problem, but most importantly, you can predict the future. You can know that if you don't pull over and let the engine cool down, you'll get stuck beside the road and you can know that you will have to spend a significant amount of money to have your engine rebuilt. Now, you probably think that I'm oversimplifying things, and, and of course it isn't quite as easy as all that all the time, but it's, isn't, it's not actually far off. That's the principle about how you can use numbers and trends, but we'll talk about that um, a moment, um, um, uh, to predict the future. And, and that's because we talk in business we talk about lagging, indicators and predictive indicators and and uh, rick really understands the, the difference between lagging and predictive indicators so 
I'm going to let him explain it to you further. Thanks, Roland. Um, Sorry, well, I'm going to have to blow my nose. You, you just go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll take over, Roland. Yeah. <laughs> um, numbers that track sales, gross margin, profits, cash flow, outstanding debtors, stock on hand, they're all lagging indicators. Hope you didn't hear that, by the way. Generally, you can categorise these as for, uh, coming from your financials. Uh, they're the easiest to track. And many accounting systems these days are pretty good at uh, extracting these into graphs and reports and what have you. Now, unless you're a financial accountant, uh, you'd have troubles really getting to understand some of these, unless you look at the trends, for instance. That's probably one way to get to understand it. But the actual numbers themselves are... Um, are pretty weak at giving you guidance in what to do to improve the situation. Um, lagging indicators uh, will tell you the trend line is dropping for sales, but to really find out why they're dropping, you really need to dig further to find out what the cause of the dip is. And that's where uh, predictive indicators uh, are useful. They're mm. pretty cool. Yeah. They're yeah. actually, if you think about it, they're actually theories on how you run your business. So they're like formulas. Mm, um, mm, mm. And predictive KPIs or key, perform, pre, key predictive indicators work because they focus you and your team on the reason why your business exists in the first place. Now imagine trying to get your staff to focus on maintaining $100,000 in the bank or increasing sales by 2% each month. Yeah. Good, good luck with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... What you'd, you'd have a better chance of doing is translating that goal into a predictive theory. And it might be something like uh, ensuring that each new customer inquiry is, a, is addressed within 30 minutes. After a period of time, you'll know what the theory or formula associated with this KPI will yield in terms of extra sales and from that extra cash. Mm -hmm. You know, but for theories to work, they have to be backed by research into the data. Your system needs to be extended sometimes to capture that the time it takes to perform an action and the delay in starting that. Um, otherwise, it becomes too onerous to actually track those sort of predictive indicators. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And um, the, I suppose what Rick's saying is that it's, by combining numbers and combining, um, you know, your the theory that you uh, that you build up and looking at trends um, <clears throat> and getting good at that, um, you can start to follow the future. You can start to look in the future. It's not just about a single number on its own. Yeah, that's right. The, the trend will help you predict the future. Yeah. But knowing that you're going to run out of cash yeah. is useful so that you can prepare for that. But it's mm. also digging into the reason behind it is yeah. what a predictive indicator will help you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's the combination of the two, isn't it? As accountant, an accountant friend of mine used to say, the trend is your friend. There's a, there's a classic trend indicator um, uh, graph that shows you uh, a trend that, uh, that, that you can follow and, see, and by, by following it, you can predict the future. Um, so can you give us some other examples that illustrate the, the idea of forecasting the trends? Well, the most common ones you've just you've really just mentioned things like uh, sales. If they're trending up, 
and they're supporting by, supported by activities and the sales are uh, in excess of the seasonal variations, then, uh, you know, you have the confidence to then invest in your business, buy more equipment, hire more staff, et cetera, to increase your resources to take take advantage of those sales. Mm. Definitely sales is probably the most measured trend line. Uh, but you need to measure those sales fairly regularly, uh, weekly, yeah. for instance, um, yeah. and compare it to a, a period like the same period last year and uh, any other intelligence that, that you um, you gather. Like you may have uh, bought some market share and you need to adjust for that growth mm -hmm. factor. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, cool. Um, any feedback, questions, comments from any of you guys at this moment? Any um, thoughts about this at this stage? Feel free to pipe up. Um, if you've got a bad example of, uh, of a predictive indicator yourself, um, I, a client of mine um, is, is a, got a big bike store and a fantastic predictive indicator for him is the number of test rides he has. If he, he, he knows with well, the shadow of a doubt that 75% of test rides lead to a sale of a bike. Every time, it's, it's, it's consistent and has been for years. So he measures his test rides. So that's his but, theory. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's his formula. That's yeah. his theory. That's great. It's a it? perfect. Uh, it's a perfect predictive indicator. Test ride. The test ride itself is nothing. Yeah, it takes time. It's a hassle. Yeah. It's a, he had to explain to his staff actually. The test ride leads to a sale. You've got to love that you're doing a test ride, even though it takes you away from doing other stuff, and it feels like it's a waste of time. But the test ride leads to a sale. The more test rides you do, the more uh, the more sales you'll get. Full simple. It's um, a good example. Uh, so yeah, so John uh, from Sydney example. Um, uh, actually, we've got another one from Desmond because John. Yeah. Uh, oh hi, hi Desmond. Um, okay, we'll go back. To, we'll go to Desmond first. Yes. Bad predictive indicator. The more product we buy, the more we sell. It's been true for many years, but it won't necessarily be true tomorrow. Hmm. And that's an interesting example. I remember that reminds me of um, a client I had a long time ago. He was a, had a hardware store. He, simply, he said stock equals sales. He, he, he would super stock his, uh, his shop because he said, well, if I, ain't, if I ain't got it in stock, I can't sell it. So the more I have in stock, the more I can sell. Yeah. And um, so it sounds like that's a bit like that. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Desmond, but Desmond's in the, um, uh, the computer game. Uh, he'll he'll sell uh, high tech uh, computers, motherboards, and oh, yeah. all those sorts of things. So uh, it's a it's a it's a difficult industry to measure sometimes because it's so variable. You know, prices are dropping, margins yeah, yeah, are dropping. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, products that were sold last month don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's the danger of having a having, having using stock in that business because it, it, so it goes out of date so much. And you end up stuck with stock. Yeah, the price drops half. You know, fifty percent, and you've got all this stock that you bought at a higher price. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that, Desmond. Thank you. So John, um, John mentioned um, the sales, the concept of a sales funnel or a sales pipeline, um, and yeah, I think most of us heard of have heard of that. You had, if you know how many inquiries you had last month and you know that, say, 25% of your inquiries lead to new business, 
you know how much new business is going to come in the door. And if you follow the trend, you know that you're going to have a good month or a bad month. Um, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, Wendy, that's a great one as well. Um, Wendy in Melbourne. Uh, stock levels, because if you keep track of your stock levels of various items and you see that your stock levels are consistently falling, that you know you have to set up a quicker restocking system and you're going to run out of stock and hence you can predict that you're going to be disappointing your customers. So there are some great examples. Um, and um, uh, someone once said, you know, so numbers tell a story. Just tell a story and, um, and stories, business stories. And business stories is what we're going to be looking for all the time. So let's get let's go and drill down a bit further into um, uh, in this whole subject of numbers and um, and give um, Rick free reign because so said in the introduction, um, uh, Rick's taken this whole idea of the dashboard to manage the business to its uh, ultimate conclusion, and you actually have a, you actually have a really big live dashboard hanging up. On your on the wall with all the key indicators of the health of the business on them, um, um, and uh, it, that's actually what it looks like. Except it's actually a big flat panel to, uh, screen, um, <clears throat> and it's got dials and gauges, and it looks just looks like he's driving uh, an airplane. So, can you talk us through that dashboard a bit, uh, Rick? And I believe it's also changed quite a lot over the in, in the last year. You told me. Before. Yeah, it, it has. Um, that dashboard is going through a, a, a fairly substantial change at the moment, mainly because uh, the purpose of the dashboard was really to come through um, a drop in sales a couple of years ago, uh, primarily because of um, a downturn in, in our market. And we wanted to focus uh, our staff on the end game, which was uh, uh, making bookings, uh, servicing our clients, obviously. And uh, uh, and what, what we found was... Um, uh, running reports was difficult uh, because, um, you know, it's difficult to sort of run a report and present it in a way that's simple for people to see. Um, so mm. if you look at the dashboard, for instance, on the top left, you've got a leaderboard of the staff. Uh, who's winning uh, in terms of sales for the week or the year or uh, for, for the month? And um, uh, the other thing that's quite interesting about it is that... Um, uh, we cover uh, revenue and we cover uh, bookings because there's a direct correlation between the bookings and the revenue. Um, if yeah, the, it's like the it's like the test rates at the bike shop. Exactly, mm, exactly yeah, the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So uh, we we you know we use colours there to to make the numbers seem a bit more uh, uh, urgent. Uh, so when it's red, we're below budget. So we've got budgets there to compare to, and uh, there are formulas. We know that. Uh, Unless we make so many appointments, um, uh, it's going to seriously affect sales for the following month. Um, mm, mm, the mm. other thing too, uh, you know, uh, we'll have a leaderboard of uh, top clients um, and that also helps us focus um, uh, our business and see where we're going um, and that's important. What, what's changing, just so that you know, um, we're, we're uh, one, we're driving those um, dashboards not on a big lcd screen we're driving them to uh, apps on people's iphone android etc oh yeah um and uh, the other side of it too we're changing some of the metrics because these metrics served us really well uh, they achieved an increase in sales and we're happy about that but now we're at a stage now where we, we need to resource our projects a lot better we need to um uh, increase our customer service. So things like velocity, 
uh, is more important mm. and quality and uh, customer satisfaction and mm. staff satisfaction. So what's, uh, what difference did it make for you when you implemented a big desk? How, how, how did it lead to a, to a difference? It, it, what did the change in your business? It, it, it was remarkable, Roland, because uh, um, I didn't realise that uh, until we implemented it that uh, there was a fair bit of slack in terms of um, the way we were running our business. Once we implemented uh, the dashboard, there was a bit of... Um, uh, so we say um, uh, resistance. objection, resistance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but once we got over that, and we explained that we needed to, you know, do this uh, for a purpose. Um, mm. The staff got behind it, and that was a very good thing. But the other side of it too, um, James and I no longer had to just, you know, print off a PL or um, a budget report or whatever. We just walk past the dashboard, you know. We, yeah, yeah. We, you know, so we just literally walk past. Oh, okay, we can see things are going well. And James would be the proponent of this. He'd actually start panicking and just say, "Look, you know what's going on? The numbers are down. Mm. You need to book yourself out. We need to basically uh, get those upgrades going for our clients." So it it really transformed our business. So yeah. I'd say it was revolutionary from our point of view. So. Now, this dashboard is obviously a really clever one, right? I mean, it looks clever. I'd like a dashboard like that myself. Um, and it involves, it involves some serious actual programming, and for you, in exact, that was feasible. But for most people, that that's not possible, right? I mean, how, how, would, you go about, how, how would you go about achieving this kind of outcome? You've never got the skill and money to employ a clever person such as yourself to get this well it's a good point roland um firstly you know it, it looks expensive but from our point of view and the size of the clients that we normally deal with it's not as expensive as you think it's mm -hmm. really a good investment mm -hmm. but there are smaller clients um that uh, couldn't afford to do this straight away and uh, there are alternatives mm -hmm. e even um um there are add-ons, for instance, that uh, can be purchased for uh, the existing accounting systems. And one of them, for instance, is called Alchemix. Uh, it's a business intelligence centre and it has a whole bunch of dashboards already built in. Mm -hmm. So you can just plug them in and it immediately starts to work off your live data. So good, um, Fathom is another one. That, Fathom's good, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it plugs into zero very well, for example. Yeah, that's that, that that's uh, obviously a cloud-based solution. Yeah, yeah. Mm. so yeah, you'll find there's quite a lot of them out there. Mm. Um, but you know, even if you don't have that, or you don't have zeros one, or um, you can start off by just using spreadsheets. And a lot of our clients um, do that. They'll do things in spreadsheets, and then they'll come to us and say, "Look, you know, this is what we really want. Can you mm. automate it?" Mm. Um, and even Failing that, I've seen some amazing dashboards which could be on whiteboards and yeah. even butcher paper, and that works. Um, but when you're doing something like that, a good tip is to make sure that your staff are actually responsible for filling in those yeah. figures on the board. Big no-no is to do it yourself. Yes, absolutely. Get your staff. Delegate it all. Absolutely. That's yeah. right. Mm. And visibility is a key uh, benefit of a dashboard don't hide the figures be proud yeah. let everyone know what's going on and uh, you'll find that the results will be better for it mm. yeah yeah that's no, great look uh, i often start my clients on this process with a really super simple uh, spreadsheet template it's actually available as a download from the resources page of the webinar but that's 
that's an example of it. That was actually one that I implemented with a guy who runs a catering business. And um, it's just every line represents one week. There are the key numbers for that for his business in that uh, in, in every in every week. And it's, that's literally as simple as it is. Um, and, uh, you know, Zero, the bookkeeping system, runs a pretty powerful report uh, reporting system on a number of things, but it's only the financial numbers, obviously. Um, and that's called the executive summary. But besides that, I've actually introduced a number of my clients to other add-on applications um, uh, on Zero. I don't know how many people are on Zero here, probably a fair few. Uh, although a fair few of them are probably also clients of yours who are on yours, your uh, next level. Yeah, up they're on a variety of systems like ABM or Cybiz, the yeah, next yeah. level up. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. But um, the principles are the same, no yeah. matter what accounting system you use. And I haven't used the Fathom one that you mentioned, but there's a whole um, group of them coming out now. Um, there's one that I really like from South Africa. I forget the name, but I can put it on the resources page. Oh, um, right, yeah. And uh, that works with uh, QuickBooks, for instance. Okay. And, uh, you know, the, the concepts are very good. Have the information drawn from your accounting system so that you're not bogged down with doing the work yourself. Mm. But I do like your spreadsheet, Roland. I like the colours. They're really good. <laughs> well, a client of mine, um, uh, Floristry Operation, actually, um, She's literally just implemented a new um, a new dashboard um, for herself, and that's it's actually three spreadsheets that come together. But um, it's just in spreadsheets, and it's it's it works incredibly well. Um, it's not as beautiful as yours, but it's just it just works. Um, so an objection that I often get from people about regular reporting is that when they get the reports, the numbers are history, and you can't do anything with them anymore anyway because it's ancient history so there isn't a lot of point to get reports every week every quarter is probably enough or every year is enough actually accountants will often tell you that they're the compliance accountants that i am they're the bane of my life but so what do you what, what's your reaction to that statement about you know ancient history why, why bother well it depends on how old the information is but uh, as you pointed out before the trend is quite important uh, even if it's past history it can still help you predict uh, where you're going but i would say that uh, people should aim for uh, at least uh, weekly mm. quarterly is next to useless really uh, but if that's all you've got start off with quarterly but you should try and uh, go for weekly yeah and you know you're not going to be able to get everything weekly right i mean i know yeah, there's a few people on this call who've got service-based businesses uh, where they're doing, you know, builders who um, who are doing large projects over that are spread out over long periods of time, and they're um, they're reporting against quite. You know, they need to know how the job's going, on um, what the profitability of the job is, and it's difficult to uh, to measure that on a weekly basis because um, often they're buying materials or subcontracting costs that are spread that are, that are very lumpy in in once a month and mm -hmm. they get the invoices and so it's difficult to it's difficult to be very accurate with that but you can of course do parts of that like you simply how many hours have we spent on this job this this week and you can certainly report on that every week so some things you can report on you can't report on weekly um but there are and but other things you can report on daily i mean i know I know a number of businesses that um, that actually have daily dashboard numbers on, on on certain items. I mean, the simplest one, of course, of that is the bank account. You can look at your bank account every day. That's one of your 
one of your key numbers. Um, and some things have to be reported monthly. Um, but weekly, yeah, absolutely. So what is the, what's the maximum number um, uh, that we should, the maximum interval that we should be reporting our key numbers? Oh, that differs enormously. Um, like you said, you know, banking daily, you know. Um, it really depends on the uh, business. Um, but, you know, some KPIs, uh, you know, can be done daily, um, others yeah. weekly, et cetera. Yeah. It, it really just depends. It's just too hard to generalise. Um, like you said, you know, there's no point in knowing that your petrol tank was down to a quarter, 100 kilometres ago. So, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you want to get relevant, timely information. Yeah. Um, so what's the, what's the way forward in your experience? I mean, how do people get started with the whole idea of dashboard reporting on KPIs and measurements? Well, Roland, that's partly your territory, of course, as a coach. But, you know, what I'd say is start by thinking of what the KPIs are that you really want to uh, provide regular reporting on. Um, mm. That's the hardest thing, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe just focus on a handful, you know, not too many, maybe three. Mm. I often uh, say to my clients, uh, imagine you're banished to a deserted island in the Pacific. Um, actually, that's... And, and you're getting a report only once a week by a mailboat. But we'll talk about that in, a, in the story in a moment But um, that we're going to read. But um, it's the, the idea of only just getting one sheet of paper every week that tells you what's going on. Um, and, and so once you've listed those KPIs that you're saying are key numbers for you, what is, what's next? Well, the way it's presented is very important too. Um, and a, and, a, and a, that's the most hardest thing, I think. Uh, and what I recommend people do, they use a whiteboard and they present the figures. It could be a figure, it could be a, uh, a, a fuel gauge, it could be a, a trend line, mm. uh, and then discuss it um, with your team to mm. see, you know, what they uh, um, what they think is appropriate. Um, and then probably the next step would be to move that whiteboard to Excel. Uh, yeah. It's fairly easy to do, you know, so you don't have to panic. Yeah, we're missing a slide here, I think. Sorry. <laughs> Well, missed a slide. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Sorry, I got flustered there for a moment. So, um, yeah. So, is there any questions? Have we got any questions at the moment? Um, uh, yeah, Brent, Brent in Melbourne. My book of bookkeeper says it's way too hard to do the numbers more than quarterly. Um, isn't that good enough? Oh, <laughs> thanks, Brent. Add your um, reminding me how much trouble I have with bookkeepers and accountants all the time, in spite of the fact that I'm sitting next to an accountant here. Hey, I'm a reformed accountant. <laughs> a reformed, I hear, yeah. Look, it's the, the pain of my life. I, I you know, um, I find that generally speaking, I have trouble with accountants. It's it's a big discussion. I'm not going to go into much too much detail, but remember, this is reporting. This is this report is not about complying with the text department. This is nothing to do with the text department. This is about you managing your business with the right and with the current accurate information. Um, and and you, you really are totally missing the boat if your data is three months or more old. What do you, what are you yeah, I, I, I you're going to agree with this, but you know, yeah. I, I do agree, but uh, don't totally discount the uh, accountants out there. No, no. Some of them are quite good at, you I'm know, sure. yeah, some, you know yeah. there are a variety of accountants out there. Some are focused on uh, management as well as financials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but you know the majority of accountants out there are really interested in um, the starting point, which is operating profit before tax. They don't yeah. care about sales. They don't care about gross margin. You know, they don't care about those sort of things. Yeah. And uh, so you wouldn't ask them for uh, advice in actually doing your key numbers above the line. Yeah, it's the big difference between compliance accounting and financial management accounting. And, and most in small business, most accountants set up to 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 work with small business are. Uh, uh, compliance accountants. They, that's what that's what they uh, that's what they what they spend their, do, their time doing. So, look, I hope that we've convinced you that it's that numbers are important, and um, and and uh, and that you need to be focused on the numbers. But what makes it all so hard? How come we don't all read nice reports with with numbers every day, every week, and run the whole thing by the numbers? What's stopping us? And I think there's three things that make the numbers hard. And they are, first, we don't always know. We don't always know how to get an accurate number for certain aspects of the business. Second, we don't know which numbers to get. And third, we don't have the time to, um, to, uh, to, to, to go and find those numbers on a day-to-day basis. And that's what it all seems, that's why it all seems so hard. And you might want to know. You might want to know how happy your customers are, but how do you go about measuring that effectively? I mean, without costing you a heap of time, for example. Um, and which are the right numbers to get? There are so many things you could measure. Do you measure profit or cash flow or gross margin before tax or return on investment or return on capital employed, EBITDA, profit per employee, profit per job, profit per category, unbilled hours, wastage, and you know, this goes on and on and on and on and on and on, right? Um, and so your accountant and your business coach rattle all these numbers and ratios off. And sure, it makes sense. But if you had all those numbers on a piece of paper, you'd just go to sleep. Which are the numbers you really need? And that's when it gets into the hard baskets. Um, <clears throat> so who's got time to go and find them all every month, every every week, every month, let alone every week? And 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 this is. It's a school of thought that says that you've got to keep your eye on certain numbers every day. So I'm going to give you another minute to reflect on the question. Go to your to your worksheet. There's a space to write down the top two or three reasons that you don't get around. Top two or three reasons that you don't get around to um, uh, to managing by the numbers. And I'll give you another moment. Silence. Right, let's move to the solution. And um, so to begin to answer the question and find a way forward, it's time for a bedtime story. One of my bedtime stories, business bedtime stories. Um, Sit back and relax. Imagine us tucking you in. You're going to want to tuck them in there, Rick. I'm feeling a bit sleepy. (laughs) So this is the story of John the Plumber. Once upon a time, A long, long time ago in a country not unlike Australia, John owned a plumbing business and he had eight trucks on the road with a mixture of tradesmen and apprentices in each. And John's business carried out maintenance work for private homeowners and real estate agents as well as new installations on domestic construction sites working for builders. And John worked ridiculous hours, 60 to 70 hours a week, um, week in, week out, but he made barely enough money to make ends meet. And John was a great plumber, but John hated numbers. 
numbers made in C double and put them to sleep. But I just I just do what I'll what I'll just do what I'm best at, and I'll let the bookkeeper look after the numbers. Was his mantra. And while working with me, it became clear that John that the reason he wasn't making any money and had to work such ridiculous hours because he wasn't was because he wasn't in control of his business. The business and everyone in it simply rolled from storm to storm. Everyone, including John. Um, all they could do was to keep the ship afloat. And John realized that the first step he had to take was to overcome his fear of numbers and start to take control of his business. And he did. So I just asked John to imagine that he was banished. You know, I mentioned this before, that he was banished to a deserted island. And for a period of time, say six months, the only information he could get about his business came from the weekly mailboat. The mailboat would deliver comes to the island, delivers only one single piece of paper with maybe 15 numbers on it, and the mailboat will wait for 15 minutes to take his instruction, instructions back to his business for that week. And there's no email and there's no mobile phone reception and there's no Twitter. So what are the 10 to 15 numbers that would tell him how healthy the business is and allow him to make quick management decisions and, instru and instructions that he could send back? Now, most businesses will have a couple of common numbers, such as bank balance and profitability on their mailboat report. But beyond those common numbers, every business owner has his or her own priorities to tell him, him or her what's going on. So, for example, in my business, I constantly need to know how many inquiries I've had in the past six months because it gives me a really good indication of the number of new clients I'm going to get in the next six months. In another business, a critical indicator might be the average, average numbers of days it gets it takes to get paid because if that number goes up, the business is going to run out of cash. So John created a list of 14 numbers, the 14 key indicators of the health of the business. And in six months, John had implemented a kind of weekly dashboard system that was populated by the bookkeeper and his office assistant. And the dashboard was made up of financial numbers on profitability and revenue and cash position, as well as numbers that told him how individual jobs were going and inquiry and quoting numbers that told him what his workload over the coming months would be. And a year later, John's life had changed completely. John now rarely worked more, works more than 50 hours a week in his business has a 50% increased profitability level and his bank account looks healthier than it's looked at for years. And John was finally ready to start his new family with his wife and John, his wife and his baby lived happily after the end. Touching story. Isn't it, it is. Uh, Make sure all come oh, over all, you get yeah. a moment, don't you? Yes, that's right. Um, so before we're going to talk about the lessons from John, I want you to go to your worksheets and write your own top takeaways down from that work on your worksheet. And I'd love you to share them with us here as well. Type them on the screen and I'll repeat them for everyone. So what are the top three insights? Um, the top three insights or learnings that you've got from this webinar so far. What are your top questions? Please go ahead and write them down now. And thanks, Desmond. Um, I'm going to give you a minute to write before I go. Well, maybe not a whole minute. Go on, one minute. Um, what are your top three insights, your top three questions, your feedback? Um, and while you're writing, here are the top top takeaways that we want you to walk away with. There's the three pillars. You can't manage what you don't measure, and measurement is simply expressing a certain value in a number. The second one is that it allows communication with others effectively, and numbers allow you to look into the future. 
and the big lessons from Rick. Love we'll go through them again. Yeah, I, th I think the most important ones are that the, the most important numbers are predictive, and so measure uh, what numbers are being achieved and how they directly can influence the financial metrics, such as increased sales and, and bank balance. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is that uh, not all metrics um, can be obtained from your accounting system. Uh, as I mentioned, satisfaction of customers and staff is an example. Yeah. You can capture these sorts of things by surveys or even having pop-up little screens every time they do a, a quote uh, to measure whether the staff are happy or not yeah. and customers are happy. Um, you should consider who's going to be using the dashboard. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, some people like numbers, some people like graphs, some people like colours, um, you know, some people like gauges. Um, how you deliver those numbers is important. Um, you know, people are out of the office a lot of the time, so delivering them by iPhone, iPad and Android is sometimes the only way you can get that information to them rather than putting it on a LCD screen in the office. Mm -hmm. uh, trend lines, as you said, Roland, are really important. Um, they help you predict the future, but obviously you've got to adjust for seasonality. You know, the classic selling an ice cream in winter uh, yeah, is course, an indication yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing is, there's quite a lot of things, but uh, stop me, you know, if you want, but uh, brainstorming the metrics with the stakeholders. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's mm. good. Um, delegating responsibility. Yeah, that's a big one. And we'll get back to that in a minute as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yes, I mentioned before, use spreadsheets mm. before you invest in having something written. Yeah. And uh, updating them weekly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and of course, in, in this, uh, the, 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 the insights from the story of John, besides that the story illustrated again how important numbers are, there are two other things to, link, to learn from John. And, and, and Rick just mentioned one of them already just then. Um, because they're, and they're really important because they tell us how to make the whole thing easier and more manageable to implement. And the first one is that numbers that matter to you will possibly be entirely different from the numbers that matter to any other business owner. Every business owner has his or her own priorities. That's, you know, this is personal. It's personal. And the second one is don't do it yourself. Delegate. Don't do it yourself. Sorry, one too far. Uh, these are the three from John. Don't do it yourself. Delegate. Go on. What am I doing? Where's, where's that going? Jumping. Something, something's gone wrong. Okay. Well, we're still with these ones. So yes. So um, um, so that's the two insights I want you to want us to focus on first. Uh, next, because. Those two insights actually tell us how we're going to implement this focus on numbers in our business. So, as I said before, one of the difficulties about getting on top of the numbers is the question, which of the numbers? And as I explained to John, the easiest way to cut through that confusion is to ask yourself, what would I need to know if I was reliant on a mailboat report to bring me a sale, single piece of paper once a week with about 15 numbers on it? What 15 indicators would tell you exactly how healthy the business was? Now, if, don't worry if you don't know how to go about getting all of those numbers, but just imagine, for example, if you could have a number that would tell you how efficient your staff had been that week, wouldn't that be a great number to have? Single number that would tell you, would tell you how efficient your staff had been that week. Or, or once you know um, what indicators you'd like to see, you can go and brainstorm with your bookkeeper, your accountant, your staff, your business coach, or with Rick, 
fellow business owners, how you might go about getting such a number. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to actually get a meaningful number on all kinds of thoughts, uh, or all kinds of uh, what look like fuzzy things. So what are your thoughts on that, uh, Rick? Yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, there's the standard KPIs that we talked about, the financial ones. Uh, and I really do, lo do like the idea of using the mailbox, uh, a mailboat, sorry, uh, report, because that sort of really gives you a sense of urgency and you're restricting what you can possibly deliver in a certain amount of time. Mm. Uh, but again, the ones that I really like, and I'm going to harp on this one, yeah. is velocity, how yeah. long it takes uh, for the time and order is processed. Uh, that directly affects uh, customer uh, satisfaction. The number of new products um, that you take on every year uh, and uh, sell to existing and new customers also indicates the health of your business uh, as you're basically taking advantage of existing customers rather than constantly looking for new customers. Um, and the satisfaction surveys, um, they're really important to see if you're doing the right sort of thing. Customers are happy, you're not going to lose customers. And reducing staff turnover by looking at staff satisfaction as well. Mm. And somebody somebody said before, Chris, it was Chris in um, Brisbane, I think. Chris, he said before, um, it's, all, you know, it's all very well and I get it, but, you know, still, how am I going to get time to do all of this? And that's such a great segue. Um, because it always comes up and it's what we want to talk about. It's a segue, um, and they're segues. <laughs> um, it's exactly what we want to talk about because it's one of the biggest secrets of this whole piece. It's the secret that you need to know about. You see, we don't want you to get the numbers at all. Um, Rick said it before in what he was saying, and there was a sentence in the bedtime story that gave away the secret was as well, and it's that John's bookkeeper and John's office assistant prepared his dashboard for him every week. John doesn't do it himself. Rick doesn't do it himself because he's actually automated the process. It's delegating. Delegating is the big, big secret. Actually, a friend of mine, a friend of mine's just come back. From he spent a week with uh, with Richard Branson on Necker Island. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and I asked him. Um, I asked him. He's got a business in scrap. Anyway, blah blah blah. I asked him what's what's the one biggest thing that you learned from that week, and he said, "There is nothing you can't delegate." Well, this is the first thing you've got to delegate. Um, it's um, the whole point about being an effective business owner, and the point about sitting on a deserted island is that you shouldn't spend any time getting the numbers. I don't want you to dive into your bookkeeping program or your customer database or whatever. And you know why? You know why? No, why? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, first of all, you're not the best, the most qualified person to get the numbers. You don't have the time and you have more important things to do. And as the business owner, you do not need to special, you need to be, you do not need to be the specialist of the, uh, the, the, the who, who knows how to get numbers out of uh, out of out of myob or whatever or any any of the other systems but there's two more important reason um delegating this task of getting the numbers and preparing them engages your people in the business numbers so that others start to learn what is important around here and it's really important to get other people besides you to get to understand what is important around here in this business 
It's really important in the long-term culture and dynamic of the company. And the last reason, and this is actually the crucial one, and it's to do with this, um, how am I going to find time for this? If you've got to get those 15 numbers yourself every week, it won't happen. Is that right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's because there's always something else to do. This is the big insight that I want you to think about. It's simply not realistic to, to demand of yourself that you pull those numbers together every week. You might do them all in all one week and then some next week and none the week after and most of them the week after that. And because you are just too busy and you've just too many other priorities screaming for your attention and why that matter is, remember what that uh, my accountant said five minutes ago, the trend is your friend. And if you don't do the numbers consistently every week, you won't be able to see the trend. The trend tells the story. And haphazard data make don't give you trend data. Um, so it's imperative that you get others to do it for you and that you demand that they do it on the same day every week and the same time even, or automated, like in the case of, uh, of, um, of Rick. But yeah, on Friday at 1 p.m., I have to have the report for the week until Thursday evening on my desk every week. And if it isn't there by 1 p.m., I'm going to come out and chew you out. So don't do it yourself. Simple principle, but it's the crucial link. Once you accept that you need to learn the language of numbers for your business and you find the numbers you need, Nothing's going to happen unless you delegate it to others to get the numbers for you every week and every month. Trust me on this. What do you reckon, Rick? I agree totally, Roland. Uh, obviously, you've got to be the one that actually, or you and your partners, have got to be the one to select uh, the metrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, don't ever do the collect the metrics. Design yeah. them, but don't uh, collect them. Simply not going to happen, I know. Um, and I never realized that when I was a builder and I struggled with that stuff incredibly for years. Um, uh, let's see where we are. Questions. Any, uh, we got any questions, any other questions at this moment? Um, nothing right now. So we'll move on. So, um, because I really want to hear, I'd really love to hear what pops into your heads um, during the stories and throughout the webinar. So I'm going to remind us all about the things that we think we might have learned today and then I'll check in with you guys. In the meantime, write down your top takeaways um, on your own worksheet or in the... So we'll quickly go through those the, the inside once more. You can't manage what you don't measure. Measurement is simply expressing a certain value in numbers. It allows communicating with other, others effectively and numbers allow you to look into the future. And from Rick, most important metrics are predictive. They, they measure what, uh, what, what, um, what's going to be achieved. Not all metrics come from your accounting system. Consider who's going to be using the, the dashboard. Trend lines need to be adjusted for seasonality. Brainstorm your metrics and your measurements with stakeholders and your staff. Delegate, 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 delegate. Did we mention delegate before? We did. We did mention delegate. Yes. Start with spreadsheets and then go to whiteboards and boards, or we start with whiteboards and then go to spreadsheets and test the dashboards before investing in automation. And dashboards have to be updated at least weekly. Um, so that you can establish the trends. So perfect, Roland. You took the words right out of my mouth. 
<laughs> you were listening. <laughs> yeah, I've taken notes. I've taken notes. Um, all right. A uh, couple of bits of couple of comments. Um, I'm hungry, Rick. Oh, God. <laughs> it's good. Uh, okay, Anthony. Um, Anthony says he gets the thing about why the delegation is so important. Um, so he's going to talk to his assistant and bookkeeper. That's great, Anthony. Please do let me know how you go. Um, and a similar comment from Daryl. Thank you. Um, any other comments at the moment from you, Rick, on that? No, I, I agree with Daryl. He, he's going to rush off and uh, speak to his accountant. Uh, yeah. Not, not really. I, I, I think uh, accountant's a good start. He'll, he'll help you identify uh, those key numbers for your business. But don't forget about the predictive indicators. Yeah. That's my big takeaway for today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Rick, I'm going to ask you. Oh, oh God, something's gone wrong with the slides. There. We've got too many slides. Um, Rick, I'm going to ask you for your top two tips for people. Oh, my, my top tip is brainstorm, you know, with your partners, um, stakeholders and staff. Mm. And really just focus on three. Three indicators that if they were to be implemented, they would make a difference to your business. Mm. My second tip uh, is to delegate. You've said it, mm. you've said it many times and I agree with that. Uh, but delegate it on a weekly basis. Make sure that the figures are done for your weekly staff meetings. Uh, and not only that, it helps the staff focus on the numbers, not yeah. just collate them. Uh, don't worry about automating that dashboard. No. Try for a month or so and then uh, automate it later. Yep, that's great. So remember these slides. It's all a bit too much to focus on. Remember the overwhelm, yeah, and I'm sure that some of you feel a bit that way. So we've both got a special offer for you. Um, let me. Um, Rick's first. What's the what's the offer that you're giving us? Explain what you're, uh, what well, you're giving us. It, it, one of the hardest things is really, you know, stepping away from your business and really understanding what KPIs could be possible. I've mentioned some, but what I'm going to suggest is having a free uh, session, one or two hours over the phone or face-to-face -face if you're nearby, mm -hmm. where we can talk about your business and I can help identify what KPIs may be useful for you. Mm -hmm. That would be a good first step to get you going to automating um, and uh, selecting those KPIs. Yeah. Um, that's Rick's email address. Feel free to email them there. I think it's on your worksheet as well. Let me just check that that's true. Actually, I think it's just Roland. It's Rick P. Uh, it may work, but it's just Rick. I did copy and paste. Oh, okay. Or right. um, well, maybe Rick just works. Um, no, it's not on, sorry, it's not on your worksheets, but you can certainly otherwise email me and I'll forward it through, obviously. So that's a great offer. I really do suggest you take it up. It's um, it, it's it's powerful. His insight is really powerful. Um, so remember I asked you to write down your most pressing issue. And I trust that um, this poor woman is um, is well, her experience is not as is not as bad as yours. Um, here's the deal: I want to give you an opportunity to find some simple, effective steps forward in relation to this big challenge, your most pressing issue. And I've created 
a really easy um, offer for people who attend the mastermind session. This is what you're going to get. You're going to get a really powerful um, written business health check with a seven-page report. You're going to get a hard copy of my well, one of my books, the ten truths for um, one of the ten truths books that I'll mail to you um, in the Express Post. You're going to get to sit down with me for 75 minutes, either face-to-face or um, uh, in Elizabeth Bay or via Skype video via video link one-on-one, and you're going to gain clarity and focus about where you are now, where you want to get to, and how to start to move past that most pressing issue. Um, and all you have to do, all you have to do, is uh, to get started with that offer is to make a hundred dollar donation to my favorite charity the wayside chapel and it truly will be the most fun and most effective charity donation you've ever made in your life and it's on your worksheet at the bottom of your worksheet as well um okay um so finally we get into action uh here we go Nothing's going to change unless you take action. So there's a special resources page that we've I've referred to a couple of times already, and it's at the top of your um, your uh, your chat window, and it's also on your webinar worksheet, tiny.cc numbers or page, and um, and this is what I want you to do. First, set some time aside over the next few days to be able to get into this. Be sure to do this. If you don't set some time aside to do something with what you've learned and the information that, are, that we've given you today in the next few days, then coming on this webinar has been a waste of your time. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that ultimately makes any difference is what actions you take. And so this is what I want you to do. Here's a, the first thing is a strange question. On your worksheet, it's, it's on your worksheet as well, there's a scale from zero to 10. And we're going to call this scale your mastery of numbers scale. Ten on the scale is that you're a KPI whiz, a god of numbers, a guru, a measurement guru, and zero is the opposite. Where are you on that scale? And make a, make a mark on it. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to brainstorm a list of 25 simple, small actions that you could take tomorrow that will move you one step up that mastery of number scale. Please ensure that each action is small and specific enough that you can block out half an hour in your diary in the next week to actually do it. 25 is a lot, but we've on your worksheet, we've started the list for you with some sample actions. They're just some possible suggestions that can give you the idea. Feel free to throw them all out. They're just our, our, our suggestions. So, First one we said is go to the webinar, um, the resources sheet, read the article, the blog article by Rick. There's a couple of articles by me. Then create your mail bus list of approximately 15 key indicators of the health of your business. Brainstorm them with your staff or with your key stakeholders or your partner. Decide if these numbers are going to be weekly or monthly. Decide who can get each of the numbers for you. How can you delegate? And decide on one of those numbers to implement this coming week, just one. And then there's more space for more actions. Now, the 25 actions are all about any kind of action, silly actions, big actions, little actions, but make sure they're all actions. You don't have to do them all. The trick is not to have to do them all. We're just brainstorming with yourself, with your staff, with your partner, with whoever. 
actions that you can take. And then you have one job. I love that one. Imagine doing that. <laughs> 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 it's such a good one, isn't it? Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine that you're the one who's been responsible for that. <laughs> so you have one job. You have one job. Out of that list of 25, pick one. Which are you going to do next week? Time to commit. Lock it in. Do it next week. Make time in your diary for it. And most importantly, don't forget take up the special office. One from Rick. Oh, that's mine, sorry. Business Health Check, one-on-one, Clary, next session. Uh, session and the book and your donation to the Wayside Chapel. And Rick's offer. Um, it might be rickp at accept.com. Yeah, just a consultation to help you work out what those KPIs are. Yeah. Any other questions at this stage from anyone? Otherwise... If you do nothing else, please do yourself a favor. Before you go and get on with your evening, open your diary, block out an hour to do something with the actions that we've suggested. If you do nothing else, get out your diary and block out an hour in the coming week to do something with this. You will be really happy you did, I promise you. And don't forget the, the resources page. Um, and that's the link, the waysidechapel.com. It's also on your page to where you make the donation to do the uh, one-off session with me. And so thanks for your time today. Um, and um, we're going to say goodbye. Uh, any questions, feel free to, of course, email me at rolandhaviewperspectives.com.au. Thank you, Roland. I've really enjoyed the session this afternoon. And thank you, everyone, for attending the webinar. And pl please feel free to uh, contact uh, Roland or myself, and yep. we'd love to help. Yeah. Um, and um, thanks for being here with us today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, pleasure, Ray. Um, and um, and your your contributions have been fantastic. I'm going to turn off the recording now.